Good day, listeners. Welcome to another episode of Palo Talk. This episode, we'll be talking about the arraignment of the Chief Justice of Nigeria by the federal government for the Code of Conduct Tribunal on the allegations or the petition written by the anti-corruption and research-based data initiative by the executive director of the initiative in particular, Dennis Aganya, um, last week on the 7th, apparently was received by the commission on the 9th of January and charges were filed against the CJN, the Chief Justice, on the 11th of January. Uh, the charges border on the operation of domiciliary accounts um, with a total balance of $3 million that were not declared by the uh, Chief Justice of the Federation. And in many quarters, people have seen this as one of the quickest arraignments in Nigeria judicial history. And it's, it's quite worrying that this is, this is probably the most high profile case that Nigeria will ever see and it, it borders on many constitutional questions and the legality about the procedures and the substance of the of the case itself so i'll be discussing this uh, during this program with my usual co-host yomi yomi welcome to the program thank you my brother thanks for having me now let's get straight into it. This one, this, this is so sensitive on many levels, and it's quite understandable where there has been a lot of divergent views and angle, political angle, legal angle, and social angle to the interpretation of issues and the perception given to this case. I know we've talk, I've talked a bit about the facts surrounding this case. Yeah. What What is your own perception of this whole this whole issue, the arraignment of the CGN vis a vis the charges that are profiled against him? Well, my my view on the matter is the fact that it um it's a funny one, it's a funny development, but it's also a very complicated issue. It is one that would ultimately test the efficiency of our judicial system and it would also test certain things in terms of our politics generally and you and i know that elections are forthcoming and a lot of things are going on in the system and indeed the uproar has greeted this arrangement has led to questions about the timing of the of, of the arrangement has led um question as has, has given birth to questions arising you know in relation to whether the powers that be, you know, in the in the mode of the present government, the the ruling party, whether they're trying to change the goalpost before the elections, so just so that if peradventure the election results in a court case, you know, to set the ground running for a smooth and um, a decision that ultimately favors them. But in, in terms of going to the substance of the case, I know that there are different issues. You know, a lot of people have argued on the one hand that 
it is not right, you know, the law has not been really followed. But it is my view, and of course I stand to be corrected, that as far as the legal aspect of it is concerned, there is nothing uh, unusual about it. It might be strange, they, like you rightly mentioned in your introduction, the speed you know, with which the case was brought might be strange, it might be unusual, and which you rightly pointed out that it might actually be the quickest arrangement in the history of our, our legal system. But then I would want to look at the substance of the case in terms of answering the question whether indeed the CJN actually did not satisfy the requirements of the Code of Conduct Bureau and Tribunal Act, which requires all public yeah. officers to, you know, within yes to declare the assets. Yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. So that's yeah, that's the. Yeah, I get uh, that. We'll, we'll get we'll get to the legal uh perception or the what's expected by the law in a in a bit. Um, let's just going back what you've said that okay, well, there's nothing untoward. Um, about arraigning this uh, or investigating the CJN vis-a-vis what the law expects him to do and whether he's done he's done the same. Does it not um, beg uh, the issue, the question that we've got the CJN, who obviously is the uh, is the apex of the third pillar in the three arms that make up a government right. and for charges to be brought against such person of uh, such high profile character that the government should consider all um all factors and all political uh, issues um legal issues and society issues surrounding the same because any action brought against such person obviously tests the institution on its own yes. and pushes the boundary of constitutional boundary. I know we'll talk about legal bit in a bit. The constitutional uh, um, the constitutional expectation or interpretation of the, the role and the privileges enjoyed by such person and the perception of the of the poor man on the street this probably not something we can talk about without talking about the legal aspect. Yes. so i'll just go straight into right. it let's talk about the legal part of it and probably we'll come back into uh to this whole argument about perception and what ought to and what ought not to be right what is your take on the because obviously the charges against the CGN were uh found yes. in contravention of section 15 right. of the declaration of assets right. of the code of conduct bureau and tribunal Act. absolutely that's correct yeah so does the CJN have to stand trial As, pre- as 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 stipulated in section 15 or is if the sorts uh, sort of, of people that are exempted or, or precluded from or is it precluded from actually standing trial before uh, a, a tribunal because i've had argument in quarters where people are saying well a cct is a court of inferior record yes and 
and it has been saying that well the cgn as the head of all courts cannot because he's the one that actually administers case to uh, all courts cannot actually stand trial before that court or any other court as the case may be while it's still the cgn <laughs> although uh, yeah i know it's just pushing yes. the limits as to what and what cannot do yes. so i want you to weigh in on this and i've got i've got a view I've, I've got a view. I've got uh, two schools of thought actually about this, but I want to weigh in on it. See what angle you see this as someone who's had a training in law himself. Right now, my 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 view is, and just to touch on you know the 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 view that you just mentioned in terms of you know the argument that indeed the CGN cannot, well, is not expected to stand trial in any court, given the fact that he's head of the judiciary. And that the Code of Conduct Tribunal is an imperial court. I think that that is an expansive interpretation of the law, and I'm sure you you appreciate that as well. In a yes, yeah. in, a, in a in a in a in a rule of law um, environment, in an environment where there's rule of law, of, the, of course, a fundamental principle of the rule of law itself is that nobody is above the law. And so that fundamental principle of law negates that assumption that the CGN is exempted from standing trial. And indeed, if you look at the Constitution, which is the ground norm, there is nothing in the Constitution that precludes or that exempts the CGN from, you know, be, from being tried, so to speak. Indeed, you, if you look at Section 292, you know, which talks about the, 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 the processes of removal, it, that section categorically recognizes the CJN as a public officer, right? Although is the head of judiciary, is the you know is 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 part of the people who you know admit cases to court. Well, he's actually the head of the um, the the Nigeria Judicial Council, the NJC. But then he's recognised as a public officer, and then you have a law duly passed by the National Assembly, an act of the National Assembly to which everyone is bound clearly requiring all public officers to declare their assets. So to that extent, to the extent that the CGN is a public officer, I believe it is my um, honest view that is within the contemplation of Section 15 of the Code of Conduct Bureau and Tribunals Act. So to that extent, of course, it can stand trial. It can be investigated and if found to have been, you know, if found to be guilty of any infraction, it can also be brought before the Code of Conduct. Because the, the reverse side of that argument is that if the CJN shoots a person, commits a crime, is above the law till such a time that he steps down or ceases to be the CJN. So that would be the flip side of that, of the argument of the yeah, people I get pushing where you're coming from that um, stuff. And I'm sure you understand where, where I'm coming from. Obviously, this... this uh... These are interesting times yes. in the yes. constitutional history of Nigeria. Um, and yes. my perception, because I've read the um, provisions of the Declaration of uh, Access Section 15 of the CCDT Act, and I've read it in tandem with Section 292 of the 1999 Constitution, and I've come to two yes. um, views here. The first one is, the pro CCTV view, the Code of Conduct Tribunal, right. a Bureau and Tribunal Act, is that 
the yes. charges filed against the CCJ is to invest is to determine whether he's erred in the declaration of his assets. Let's um put things um in perspective. Yeah. The CC the CJN right. Justice Onogen himself in his statement after um, last week and I'll read I'll read the statement here. He said follow my appointment as CJN in twenty sixteen the need to make me declare my asset anew made me to realize the mistakes that I did the declaration to cover the period in default. I didn't include my standard chartered bank account SCN0004 because I believe they were not open during the period covered by the declaration. Onogen was quoted to have said that. The CJN also reportedly claimed that he was initially keeping foreign currencies at his home, yes. but later opened a yeah. domiciliary bank account when he learned that judicial officers were not supposed to keep money at home. That is a very flimsy excuse. Honestly, from the number one lawman in the country, ignorance uh, <laughs> ignorance of law is definitely not an excuse. He knows that. I'm sure he has said that more than 500 times in his career. Yeah. It's not an excuse. So, by now, it's one of the foremost magazines in, in law. So, there's no way that is a valid excuse. But right now, my focus yeah. is on the institution that we're trying to protect. So, and I don't think there's any, I don't think there's any man above the law. So, the provisions of section 15 covers all public servants in contemplation by the act. And so, as such, he can be investigated, he can be tried as an individual. So far that there's no other provisions in the constitution, and I stand to be corrected on this, so people are allowed to just comment, comment and we'll review that in our next uh, in our next broadcast. There is no, I've not seen a clear provisions of the constitution that says that the ju Chief Justice of Nigeria is precluded from standing trial. Correct me if I'm wrong. Are you aware of any provisions that says that a chief justice of Nigeria or it cannot no, 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 I, I'm not, cannot be sued or I'm not aware of any from having an action against him. <laughs> so if there's no clear definition as to that, I don't see why a charge There's absolutely nothing like that. In, 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 in that light. So that's my uh, that's the argument I've got to support the fact that well exactly. maybe it can. But I read the Constitution to Section 290, which has been only side back over was discussing this on Arise News earlier in the week. That, okay, well, by virtue of 290, I read in tandem of Section 158, uh, paragraph 21 of the 1999 Constitution, that the Chief Justice cannot and will not stand trial in the Code of Conduct Tribunal. Uh, by, uh, by virtue of that, it didn't appear uh, when the case was called on the 14th of January 2019. But I look at that, the provisions of that section provides for the removal of the CJN 
and other judicial officers of Court of Superior Record as mentioned in, in, in Section 292. And it says that a chief judge can be removed by two-third majority of the House of Assembly or the National Assembly as the case may be or on the recommendation of the NJC by the president or governor as the case may be. So, and paragraph B says that the judicial officer can be so removed for his inability to discharge the function of his office or yes. appointment, whether arising from infirmity of mind or body, or for misconduct or contravention of the code of conduct. Yeah, I read that as well. I am not... That kind of put things in perspective that, well, why is NJC not the one looking into these allegations or petitions against the CJM? Because if they are meant to make the recommendation that the CJM can be removed um, because of, it's been found wanted and it's in contravention of the Code of Conduct Code, then if that's their responsibility, then to that extent, if the interpretation is correct, then Section 15 is kind of inconsistent. I don't know if you get where I'm coming from here. Yeah, so, so and if Section 15 of the Code of Conduct Tribunal is inconsistent with 292, then to the extent of the inconsistency... No, I'm, I'm following your, I'm following your analysis. Section 15 will be so, sorry, can I just ask you a question? So, um... One... I'm, try I'm trying to understand. You're saying that um, Section 15 is incompatible with Section 292. No, no, I'm, I'm just, I'm painting a picture here. Yeah, yeah. You have to wait on the court to yeah, yeah. chime in this, obviously. Yes. There, there's been the case of Onguta and the AG. Anthony General yes. that has been cited by uh, many of the, the legal uh, minds out there. Right. That to that extent, to as, as uh, the Court of Appeal has pronounced in Onguta versus AG, that the the judge of the Supreme Court or the CJN cannot stand trial in the Code of Conduct Tribunal. But the first school of thought is, if that is the case, then the argument is probably that 292 supersedes Section 15. But I, hmm. I'd like to also point out the fact that the charges filed against the CJN does not mean the CJN will be removed. So, this is to determine whether the CJN has erred by not declaring his assets. So, it could be, the other school of thought is that the NJC could act on the recommendation or the judgment of the CCT to actually find that the CJN is guilty of misconduct or con has contravened the code of conduct. But how else would we know this if the CCT has not you. finished its case. So, that, that's just the interesting thing about this case. We've got one side that's arguing that, well, the CCT, the CCT does not have the jurisdiction to hear the case against the CJN. And we've got another school of thought that is saying, uh, that states that, well, no one is above the law and everyone is equal before the law. The provisions of Section 15 covers all public office holders. And the action brought against the CJN 
does not necessarily does not necessarily mean it's been removed. It still has to be removed by two thirds of the National Assembly, two thirds majority of the se- of the Senate, or based on the recommendation of the National Judicial Council. Now, um, the, my, my view on that issue, and I, and I understand, you know, this might be why people, you know, the, the people have gone to court, uh, you know, insisting that this cannot be the legal process or the deal process, is that the effect of a guilty verdict on the CGN by the CCT, okay. whilst it does not constitute a criminal um, while it does not attract a criminal punishment, if it is not a criminal infraction, one of the punishments that the is prescribed by that act, the CCBT Act, is disqualification from public office. So in, 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 in effect, if the CGN is found guilty, one of the consequences would be that the, the, the CCT can actually rule that is thereby is thereby disqualified from continuing as the CGN. Not only that, oh, yeah. it would actually have to be removed from the Supreme Court as well. So, in yeah. other words, they would not need to have recourse can I, can to. Can I interrupt you there for a second? At yeah, sure, yeah, sure point, you can. That pronouncement will be directly inconsistent with Section Two Nineteen. Yes. So, to that extent. The CCT can actually cannot make that decision any more than a declarative statement that the CJN has heard. Yes, they can't make a Definitely. ruling saying that the CJN is disqualified from sitting on the Supreme Court because that is solely left in Section Two Ninety to the two third majority of the National Assembly or recommendation by the NGC. There's also the view. Sorry to butt in again. Yeah, it's fine. There's also the view, and I think. Yeah, I think I've mentioned it somewhere that that section two nine two, the circumstances in which any of the public officers listed in that act, sorry, in that part of the constitution, could be removed, actually talks about code of conduct, and so the bone of contention yes. so far is what does the, the code of conduct in that particular in the in the in that paragraph what does it mean? Does hey. it refer to the code of conduct? Bureau, tribunal, or just the code of conduct of the legal profession. Well, Do you get the point? So yeah, if I get, I get that. if if that. you take yeah, so if you take the narrow view that that code of conduct has to be the code of conduct for the legal profession as um, recognized by the NJC, then that then requires the NJC to so act. Or but if you choose to have to look at the intention of that particular section to look at, you know, since this particular act because. Make no mistake about it. That section 292 is talking about particular judicial officers who also happen to be public officers. That's why you have um, the Krigrad Candy, the CJN, and, and you know, whatever. Like I, like I mentioned, that particular section does not apply to all judicial officers. It applies to judicial officers who are also public officers. So if you take that view, it can then bring them within the context of the CCT having um, jurisdiction to make a pronouncement so long as they remain public officers. I don't know if you get the point. Yeah, I get, I get what you're saying, but I still, I still don't agree. Because it, oh, it, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, section, one subsection three of the constitution already ends any argument in this area. 
whether the yes. CCT has any power or not, CCBT Act has a has any power over public office holders or not. Whatever law is inconsistent with the constitution, with the extent of the inconsistency is null and void. So up until the inconsistency, it's right. But the moment it crosses that inconsistency with the constitution, it is null and void. And I think the power yeah, that... of the tribunal to actually impose punishment yes. is stated in section 23 of the Code of Conduct Rule yes. and Tribunal. And it says, That's correct. I think section subsection 1 says where the tribunal two. is it 2 yeah the tribunal yeah the punishment the tribunal which uh, the punishment which the tribunal may impose shall include any of the following vacation of office or of any elective or nominated office as the case may be disqualification from office any public office for any period not exceeding 10 years so Subsection 7, the provisions of the Constitution of the Federal Republic of Nigeria related to prerogatives of mercy shall not apply to any punishment imposed in accordance with the provisions of this section. Yeah, that's that's not really what we're looking for. But I still yes. don't see how this uh, tribunal will have any power to remove a CJN or disqualify him under any... Uh, uh, under any guise of contemplation beyond the no, what's yeah, spelled so, out by the constitution yeah that's what i'm saying we're saying the same thing all i'm saying is that you know and you know this is my view on this which you have rightly mm -hmm. um, you know you obviously have, you have expressed the view as well if you take the view right that the code of conduct mentioned in section 292 right Mm -hmm. If you mention, if you take the view that the code of conduct mentioned in section 292 gives the, the CCT or the CCBT that power, because you cannot talk about code of conduct without determining whether somebody yeah. has been guilty yeah, of an I, infraction. I, yeah. yeah, so if you, if you take the view the, the, that the code of conduct mentioned in that part of that section is an extension of the powers exercised by the CCBT, you cannot therefore turn around and say that there is an inconsistency. Well, that is my argument. Well, I, well I'm getting that argument. <laughs> well, what I'm saying is whether <laughs> it is an extension of that CCBT or not. Yes. The person that is going to make that recommendation is the NDAC, not CCBT. So it means that after CCBT has done its work, that okay, we think this person should be qualified from office. The NJC can decide to take that. It's not uh, an order of mandamus that the right. NJC must comply. The NJC yeah. may take that in their own wisdom and say, well, a court of whether inferior court or a tribunal has determined that this man has contravened his code of conduct, maybe based on the provision of CCBT or based on other yes. provisions. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. But right. they are the ones allowed to recommend his removal. Yes. As an alternative you know, to two thirds of the Senate. Yes, absolutely. So and okay. Go on, sorry. So go even on. if the CCT makes a pronouncement, it's not enough. It is just a declarative judgment that this man should yes. be removed. 
just like a dog barking without being able to do anything. So the C N J C has to take it up on themselves that okay, we have power to just to take that decision or look into that decision yes. and right. and recommend him for removal based on the misconduct right. or the fact that it's con- yeah. contravening the code of conduct. So that's my yeah. position on it. That yes, yeah. they may, can make the pronouncement as provided by the uh, by the by the code of conduct bureau and tribunal act, but they still can't remove him because he is meant to be removed in a different way. Right. You, you see, um, the, the interesting thing about this topic as well is that you know we, we, you and I can look at the constitutional provisions, the provisions of the CCBT. Yeah. But there's there's a recent there's um, a court of appeal decision was given last year. Sorry, yes, December last year. Okay. In the case of Angadima right. and um, mm-hmm. the federal government, to the effect that you would recall that Ngajima was also accused of having um, asked for certain pecuniary um, you know uh, contributions by yes by parties to a particular case that was brought before him. And um, Justice, Justice Obaseki, that, you know, uh, I think Obaseki or something, that gave that judgment in, the, in that court of appeal case, which is what has been mm-hmm. cited in this case, you know, as having been on all, on all falls with this case, is to the fact that, that the, 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 the judgment in that case is to the fact that the, a, 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 a justice of the court cannot be removed without being subjected to the NJC. But the interesting thing about you know, be, be, without having gone through the disciplinary measures of the NGC. But the interesting thing about that case is that that case specifically talks about where the infractions, the, the alleged infraction occurs in the discharge of his or her functions. In other words, as it relates to a particular case brought before them. Do you understand? And that is why that case has been argued to be totally different from this one. Yeah. Do you, do you get the point? Yeah. She particularly, hello, yes, the, the, the justice particularly mentioned the fact that where a justice of the Court of Appeal or, or any, any, any court of the land indeed has been found to have committed a criminal infraction, say murder, you know, the, the Honorable Justice mentioned, or well, the justice mentioned quite a few instances, there, then the NJC would not be would not need to be consulted before such a person is arraigned. So, in other words, I'm saying that you can actually make a distinction between, on the one hand, where a judge, in the course of discharging his duties on a particular case, demands for you know, pecuniary benefits, and then distinguish that from a situation whereby a judge clearly commits a criminal breach. Or any other breaches that are outside of his duties as per a particular case, which is what has happened in this case. The CJN on this particular occasion is not being um, tried or is, has not been taken to the CCT, CCT because of any particular case that, you know, that he decided. He's been t- he has been taken to the court based on his omission or his failure, whether willful or, or innocently, to declare his assets. So to that extent, if you apply that judgment, which is at best, in fact, that case has been appealed, it's still at the Supreme Court, but there's been no judgment yet, and it still remains the existing case law, the authority on this issue that you and I are talking about, 
that if you apply that racial descendant of that case to this particular case, it clearly indicates that there is no need to go through the NJC. And again, the argument of the people who are supporting that view is the fact that the NJC has 23 members. Of those 23 members, yeah, yeah, I get, I get the CDN nominated 20. On the tone there. Now, yeah. what, what is there we've for me? I know that there, there's elements of bias there, and there's yeah. this esprit de corps thing that goes on in the judiciary. I get that. But we'll get to that. on the flip side of that, too, there's a political inkling that, okay, why are we doing this? Like, a few months right. to the elections. Barely eight weeks to the election. Why are we doing this? We know there will be election tribunals set up across the country, which is at the uh, behest of the chief justice of the federation, that the government thinks is not on its side. Yeah, we get that. But I just want to make want us to see if we can exhaust ourselves in this this uh, the legal expectation or what what the law purports in, in this area of the misconduct. And while I get what your Yes. Your distinction between the Ngajiwa case and, yes. and this case. Yeah. The, 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 the bottom line here is, I, and I understand that the presiding judge obviously said that the NJC should have been allowed to scrutinize allegations first uh, before uh, the um, law enforcement agencies are, uh, are involved. I don't, I, I, I don't abide by that view. So, of course, I don't see um how the NJC yeah. would be I don't I, I don't think it's clear in the constitution that the NJC is actually given that investigative power over and above the law enforcement agencies like the Nigerian police. So I don't I don't see that in the constitution. Yes. Maybe our legal minds out there will point us in that direction. And we welcome comments yes. um in on this issue and would like to take uh hear opinions on this as well but i don't see that i think that's yes. that's a potential power in korea there that that um the the, the allegations should be scrutinized first i don't see i i, I don't see any reason why njc should come first ultimately yeah. njc should could exist as provided for in the constitution right. to rubber stamp outcomes of the law enforcement agents of Independent, exactly. So, uh, exactly. NJC because NJC does not have investigative powers. They are not purported to have powers. investigative powers. Maybe Equatorial yeah, best. Exactly. But not investigative. Yes. And you see, the, the, yes. And just to add to that point, the other thing about the the uh, powers of the NJC to punish erring judicial officers is actually very very instructive in this case, because you and I know that in the past. You have had issues, or we have had instances where the NJC literally dismissed judges. Well, obviously, after claiming to have investigated. But the effect of that, the interesting effect of that is that once the NJC uh, dismisses a judicial officer, that person ceases to be a judicial officer. So just imagine, for example, for the sake of argument, say that the NJC you know, well, somehow can disregard their, you know, um, esprit de corps uh, relationship with the NJC, as uh, so well with the CJN, and then let's say that they have looked at this case, and in their opinion, the CJN has actually um, heard and violated the code of conduct, and then they dismiss him. 
Now, it ceases to be a public officer. To that extent, there can be no punishment under the law because so long as you're no longer a public officer, Section 15 of the Code of Conduct Bureau and Tribunals Act does not apply to you. If it doesn't apply, I'm sure he applied... I don't think that's how it works, Yomi. I think while the, sex, the provisions of Section 15 of the CCBT applies, that period, you could still be tried, even if you're not a public officer anymore, because it's an infraction you committed while the provisions of law covers you. The law is well, not acting in... Uh, this is not a case of right, law okay. acting retrospectively okay. or prospectively. You contravene the law while you were covered. Yeah, so yeah, well, I, I don't see oh, how okay. that could that's be fine. That's fine. that much of an issue. Maybe political sentiment could dial down that. Well, the man has left office, okay. so leave the man alone or let him be. But I think the law would still what are you doing with that? Yeah. It, it, to follow the letters yeah. of the law is contravene the law while it was still there. Mm. So that that's that's right. what I think okay. on that. Child. I know what you mean. Yeah. Yeah, so this it is an interesting <laughs> one. I, yeah, I, unfortunately, yeah, I've not really been one. able to uh, able to digest the the other defense that's been put forward by uh, Oli Bakuba uh, SAN, uh, citing the Unguta versus Anthony Gerard case. The gist of it that seems okay. uh, hopefully over the weekend I'll probably have a better read of it is that the 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 court of appeal obviously faulted uh the prosecution for what he regarded as the negation of section 158 of section 1 of the 99 constitution which empowers the njc with the responsibility of punishing erring judicial officers now section i'm sorry excuse me i think you're referring to the ngadima case not nguta i'm sure it was said in nguta's case as well oh okay okay all right right so Let's assume that the two cases are are the same, are the same. or similar. Yeah. Now, section one five eight of section one. What does that? Uh, what? How? Uh, what's that? Can, do you have anything to say on that section or that, that provision of the constitution? Because Sorry, just one minute. I'm trying to bring it up. You can go on. It gives responsibility of punishing erring judicial officers. If it is solely that, punishment is different from investigation. It's different from determination whether a person is guilty. You can determine the guilt. And we see it in courts every day, where, especially in other jurisdictions outside Nigeria, where it is the responsibility of jury to determine guilt of uh, of an accused person, while it's the responsibility of the judge to punish the guilty uh, accused person. So, I don't think they are the same thing. I don't think um, guilt, sorry, Determination of um, of the facts, whether uh, an accused person is guilty or not, I don't see it as the same thing as punishing such uh, persons. Right, if we can just 
have a quick read of section 158 of section 1. It, it says in exercise of its power to make appointments. Yes. Or exercise. Yeah. Or to exercise disciplinary control over persons. The Code of Conduct Bureau. The National Judicial Council. The Federal Civil Service Commission. Federal Judicial Services Commission. Revenue Mobilization and Fiscal Commission. The Federal Character Commission. The INEC shall not be subject to the direction or control of any other authority or person. All right. So <laughs> this is this is very interesting. <laughs> this is very interesting. This clearly suggests that the powers of Code of Conduct Bureau right. remains <laughs> unfettered. <laughs> in punishing anybody. exactly anybody <laughs> anybody and yeah yeah but so you can also read it as potentially two conflicting or two light yes. wires crossing in oh, yeah. the constitution 158 and 292 because if you say the, uh, the code of conduct can punish anyone right without question yes but it cannot it, it doesn't necessarily mean it can remove does yeah, it but the, the, the effect the effect of a punishment <laughs> <laughs> the effect of the exercise of the powers conferred by this section the consequence of it might Actually, actually, let, let, let me not just let me okay. permit me my me being pedantic on this. It says to exercise disciplinary control. Yes. It didn't right. say punish. What is ex disciplinary control? Now, you see this particular section. <laughs> this particular section, it's a broad section, broad in the sense that it's trying to contemplate all the consequences of the actions of the bodies listed in this section so for example you yeah and exactly not render the uh, actions exactly exactly so yeah. for example you're looking at um, the federal civil service commission the federal judicial service commission the revenue mobilization and fiscal commission the federal character commission you know this the, the this section could not have talked about punishment right this section the the spirit behind this section basically talks about exactly it's to implied. give life to these bodies in the discharge of their functions, of their constitutional responsibility. So we know, for, ex for example, that the Federal Character Commission does not control anybody. It doesn't punish. Right? You understand? And so, obviously, I'm sure that they have disciplinary measures within that commission, but on a general scale, the, the responsibility, the primary responsibility of the Federal Character Commission is not to punish anyone. So it's just an attempt to combine all these um, federal bodies, federal authorities, and to say that in the exercise of their primary function, they are not to be subjected to the control or the direction of any in the, any individual. Now, so the question, therefore, which you rightly mentioned is whether this section is against Section 292, basically, because that is what it's about. Of course, we would have to leave it <laughs> To the judicial officers to, the to make their of, the of course, of course, because <laughs> this is not a case of an inferior law contravening or being inconsistent with the constitution. This yes, is a case of yes, the constitution yes. being yes. inconsistent yes. with the constitution. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So uh, uh, the, the the constitution being oblivious of another yeah. provision of it. Exactly. Because exactly. Obviously, when you like, you know, when you've said too much to someone, and you're trying to be very specific in another one, people just take sides. They're like, okay, you take what favors you, yes. and that's why there are two sides to this argument, yeah. and the prosecution can argue that well, no one is above the law. We right. take uh, the power to punish this person from the constitution, and yes. the defense can say, well, while you take that power, it has to be from well, the constitution. Our defense is from the constitution as well. So my conclusion on this legal bit is okay, that is is that well, maybe by section one five eight, I know that there's a pronouncement, there's an interpretation uh, in the Unguta case right. that, that just that. That uh, the appellate obviously took um, the NJC gave NJC an overriding power over Section One Five Eight Subsection One. Right. So um, I get that, but I think that to the extent of the determination of whether the Chief Justice of Nigeria, Justice Onogen. Ed in the uh, default in the, in his default to declare his assets based on his own admission should still be within the powers of the NJC the the code of conduct tribunal sorry they should still be able to make pronouncement on this and maybe after that there should be another case to determine whether that pronouncement has an effect to actually remove the chief justice. Or it's still solely the provisions as stated in 290 because I think this 290 is just too instructive to allow its effect to be watered down by what was stated in 158. I don't think it's the intention of the uh, of the uh, promulgate, uh, promulgators of the law or the uh, writers of this constitution to give um, another. Uh, circumstance or, or, or to contemplate another instance where that allows the chief justice to be removed other than what is stated there so in an ideal scenario the cct makes its pronouncement and the njc follows that pronouncement or rubber stands the pronouncement by recommending the um the chief justice for dismissal right it will be so strange if the cct makes pronouncement or find the, 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 the chief judge guilty. And the NJC now says, well, we're not going to consider that with because the NJC, the CCT, shouldn't have power to educate in the first place. Right. So, without actually making this drag so long, I, I, we, we, I know we've been on this for a while. Now, let's, now, let, let's cascade it down now right. to the political undertones and uh, the machinations behind this whole case now now i understand that lawyers uh, yeah we've talked about the esprit de corps that goes on in the judiciary yeah you mentioned that well the ccj is often appointed uh often appoints all most of the members of the njc which yeah that's a fact no, and yeah. by, by so doing members of the njc are meant to be subjected to the whims and caprices or be biased 
towards um the NJC to yeah to in in order to escape. And I understand that sometimes in our want to do things right in this country, and it goes both ways. We sometimes are too fixated on well. There's no point talking about it if um it's not done right. Now, like Bakuba talked about it on Arise News as well. When he was asked that, okay, well, is the NJC guilty? He said something. He said, what's the point of discussing his guilt if the right thing has not been done? Yeah, there's a point there, don't you think? What's the point of talking about his guilt if the right thing has not been done? But there's the other question of, which is just a court of public opinion. A court of public opinion. If you're the uphold, the custodian of the law, number one custodian of the law in the country, and you citing your ignorance of law as an excuse, as an excuse, and you're also saying that you did not know that judicial officers are not supposed to keep money in their home. We're not talking 200,000 uh, naira. We're not talking 1 million naira. We're talking monies, monies, foreign currencies to the tune of 2 to 3 million dollars. That is quite significant. Even, even a layman on the street, if you're lodging money into your bank account, over 500,000, it's meant uh, the last time I checked, I think it was five hundred thousand. The bank should do basic money laundry check. Yeah. And for companies, after five million naira, they should do basic money laundry checks. Right. So if a justice of the Supreme Court now says because oh he's a justice, and I heard the argument from Agbakuba that says that they get a stack with is not a lot for money. They get like ten thousand dollars. Uh, at once, uh, in one time, uh, at a go for Estaco, that, that's nonsense. But if it's if it's money gotten through legitimate source, why the hiding? Why why hide it? Exactly. Because we all know the risk of actually keeping money in the house. So you cannot. I, I find it undesirable and, and unacceptable, and it sticks in my gut that it's okay for you to keep such a significant amount of money in your house thinking, well, I didn't know I could have kept it in the bank. <laughs> oh, 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 is it just me? Am I, am I just no, 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 being no, no. a bit crazy here? No, 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 no. I absolutely agree with you. And you see, for, for me, my view on this, and it is, it is quite a very sad development. Sad in the sense that you know, with all the noise and all the hoopla going on about this thing, we would lose out on the lesson that the nation should learn from things like this. You know, so on the one hand, and, and I like I like what you said about the fact that it goes both ways. On the one hand, it goes both ways, yeah. on the one hand, you have an executive, because make no mistake about it, this is a conflict between the executive and the and the, and the judiciary. Definitely, uh, yeah, and if we talk about the executive rascality too in a bit, I'll talk about that. Uh, exactly. Yeah, I'm just, I just want us to exhaust ourselves in this, in this yeah. side of the yeah. schism thing. So, on the one hand, you have the executive having done things, questionable things in the past, you know, things 
for example, in the case of, there have been instances in this country where certain members of the executive or people who are close to members of the executive have been found to have done certain things or have been alleged to have done certain things. And there has been no action. There has been nothing whatsoever on the part of the executive, right? And then on the, on the other hand, you have, you know, certain instances. In this country, judges' homes were raided. In this country, just a couple of weeks ago, the NBA president was arraigned, and that case is still ongoing. In this country, you have judges who, you know, that millions were found, you know, millions of dollars or foreign currencies were found in their accounts. And so, in the midst of all the noise, it leaves us missing out on the important question of how can we save the soul of this country? How can we salvage all the negative things coming out of the judiciary as well as the executive and the legislature? Because it's a compound question that is not only limited to a particular arm of government. Now, but, uh, and that the, the sad development in this case is that you have lawyers, right? Senior lawyers who are rushing out, you know, and this not necessarily in terms of what would save the soul of the country, but purely motivated by esprit de corps. It's our, you know, it's our consistency. Let us do everything we can to maintain the status quo. And it is quite wrong because ultimately you and I can talk about the technicalities surrounding this case in terms of, you know, what does the law say? What does the constitution say? Mm -hmm. What does the CCBT say? But yes. the question is, did the CJN fail to disclose? And if it did, which you have mentioned, if it did, why did it do it? The man has come out to tell us that, you know, he forgot to do it. Uh, he didn't know that, you know, he should have done it. Ignorance of the law is not an excuse. And so it smells, it makes nonsense of the entire process for the number one law officer in the country to come out and, and, and give an excuse as ridiculous oh, as that. Exactly. As his main reason for not following the law. And so people, all the people who have been running to call the 50-something SANs and the 40-something lawyers that came, you know, that went with him to court. They are not looking at the substance of it. Because what it does, you see, justice must not only be seen to have been done. So it must not be done, it must be seen to have been done. This affects okay. the integrity of the judiciary going forward. And so you have a situation where a common man would stand before a judge and he would not even have the, that confidence that the judge before whom my case is, is above board and will it be impartial while, you know, deciding my case? Because that is what it means. You have instances in this country where, you know, um, the sons and the uh, offsprings of, uh, siblings of, uh, sorry, offsprings of judges were gifted cars. You know, houses were bought in their names in Dubai and all the likes. And nobody is saying that, can we continue like this? Because, you see, all the lawyers running, and while they are entitled to their view or to their opinion in terms of, what yeah. to do to save their profession, we must look at the soul of the country, the posterity. What is our lesson in this going forward? So, I mean, I would expect, you know, yes, the executive has not been forthright. They've been, in fact, they've been lacking, they've been tactless. They are, they are, they are impartial in this sense. And that the fact that they have, they have, they have not performed up to um, a reasonable expectation in the past, paints, you know, it, 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 it takes away the presumption of, due process from this entire thing but that does not in any way stop us independent-minded people from asking the 
basic questions. Can the nation survive this onslaught? This um this 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 foul smell that is coming out from our temple of justice. That for me is the fundamental issue, and I think that it's time we got serious about it. Because at the end of the day, you know, all of this will die down, you know, the elections and all that. And yes, obviously, we'll talk about the political side to it and how or why the, the timing is very, very um, disturbing. But that does not in any way. You see, somebody, I remember that when we were in school, we had a professor who used to tell us that, you know, if somebody is saying that you are a thief, you are a thief, you are a thief, and you are, you are, your defense to that person is, is, but your brother is a thief as well. That is just playing at the surface level. If you're not a thief, if somebody accuses you of having done something illegally, you come out and say, well, here I, I am. And defend yourself. Exactly. So you want to have, instead of running to court and fighting on technicalities, as the CDN actually thought about the damage that this would do to, to, that, to that institution going forward. To that can institution. We, exactly. Can we have a situation where the CDN can say, well, for, for posterity's sake and for the preservation of the institution that I lead, I would submit myself. I'm not going to fight this case on technicalities because I know the damage that might be done to the process going forward. I would actually submit to this process and allow this process to play out, you know, so that ultimately my innocence will be de determined. As opposed to a case where, you know, you, you have this... George. Exactly. Are you aware that the CGN was actually served and then he told the people who came to serve him to go and serve his personal assistant because he is the CGN. And then they got to court the next day or, or you know, or some days after and argued on the fact that the CGN was not personally it served. Was not properly served. Yes. I know that's you why know, it's, uh, the case has been adjourned until Exactly, next exactly. Week. You know, these kind of technicalities that actually defeat the purpose of what justice is about, it's not good for anybody. Uh, although, yes, there's also the argument that the people, you know, the executive arm of government, what they are doing as well in terms of the timing and the motive behind it, it's also not good for the country. Yeah. So yeah. I think we, we all need to sit down and really think about the damage just to preserve our titles, uh, the status quo, the damage that we're doing to the country. These damages, they would actually, you know, uh, be with us for a very long time. Thanks for that. Yeah, it goes, um, Botrice is one saying that, um, a friend of mine used to say that the country has lost its soul. And Absolutely. Yeah, let's look at, uh, I know we always run comparison with other countries out there. When you say country has lost its soul, it's not just about just um, saying, all right, oh, the CGN should not have conscience. I woke up to many Facebook posts, uh, uh, social media post this morning a, a friend of mine in particular I, I had to comment on his page because he was saying that oh how can a judge have this much money in the house and if you see that it, it goes with all the uh, in quote and unquote pro boari psychopaths as well that okay once someone has been accused of, of something they get tried on social media and i find that as as tantamount to executive bullying and executive rascality. That is, um, whether as a country of law, right, yes. and as someone that wants to defend the rule of law, and as someone that is championing a fight against corruption, 
which is one thing we, we people overlook sometimes. They only people only think corruption is limited to someone just stealing public funds and keeping it. Corruption is looking at what gain, what advantage you can gain over others to get ahead in 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 in, in life. That's partly corruption as well. If the end game of the executive is looking at the 2019 election and saying that okay, we need to install someone that's gonna like be liable, favorable yeah. uh, to to us in the electioneering process or, or the tribunal process after the general election, then that's corruption as well. So money does not necessarily have to change that. You literally traded uh, a position for favor because it goes without saying that if you force or not get out and you appoint someone else the chances are that person would have been appointed based on some promise so that now instigating an assault on the judiciary leaves a lot to be desired and we should be careful in the way we do things and the environment and temperature at any given time. And I don't get why we copy some things from other countries and we don't learn lessons from them. Um, I'm still reading um, James Comey's book, the former MB, FBI director that got yeah. sacked uh, by sure. Donald Trump. He admitted that it was significantly, that it was probably guilty in the out uh, the outcome of the presidential election the 2016 presidential election which 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 um which is which is right because he did not or he was confused as to whether to publicly declare that he's opening a case against um, the against Larry Clinton or not and his pronouncement two weeks to election obviously changed the course of the election to a large extent so whether we like it or not he has he sent up a chain of reaction that affected and changed the course of history in America and maybe if he allowed the process to run because you probably don't even have to announce anyway that you're reopening an investigation to actually continue your investigation just to allow the status quo to remain and to not hit up the policy or cause an unnecessary um, upheaval in the build-up to the election so i believe that these things happening Barely eight weeks to the election has a lot of connotation. It has the potential to cause constitutional crisis, to cause political instability, and, and even legal instability as well. Because now we are all focused when everyone should be listening to issues as as um, as brought to us in the campaign, or. or as delivered to us in the campaign, we should listen to these people and listen to the issues. Well, we're fixated on 
Oh, they said your NJC had money too that I did not declare. It's just one match. We're talking about changing an, an, an epoch making event that would probably reshape the destiny of children unborn. That's going to happen in February. And we're fixated on the actions of one man by laying psychological and mental siege on an entire institution. Because, yeah, the things could have done a bit better. Well, the uh, the investigations could, could have carried on. Um, the NJC could have been advised to... The things could have this could have been done well before now, or probably the petition shouldn't have been written by someone that was formerly um, yeah. Yeah. an associate of the president. So all this brings a lot of mysteries and issues that that causes um, yeah, that saddens the heart, if you like. So and when you look at the pattern of behavior, there there have been. Assaults on the exe- on the on the legislature, members of the legislature. Yeah, the uh, Senate president has been charged to the code of conduct tribunal. Um, there's been we talked about Dino Milai in our last episode and the whole issue surrounding it as out. We've had the National Assembly invites the Inspector General of Police, who has flat out refused to make appearance before the National Assembly. We've had the um, Director General of Customs. Uh, flouting the instruction uh, of the National Assembly. So all this border on executive rascality. Now, this is going to the judiciary. Like you said, the houses of justice of the Supreme Court have been ransacked. The NBA pre- chairman is in court. Well, all this uh, on the face value are probably valid because no one is above the law. But there's a pattern that suggests executive rascality and bullying. So, and we're not seeing the same effort when it comes to members of the executive. That's what makes this whole issue very distasteful. Because, I mean, if you had had the situation where, you know, um, there's been no partisanship with respect to prosecuting certain cases, if the executive had been above board, if there had been no secret cows in the past, that the country would not have, you know, this opera would not have been this much. Mm-hmm. You know, we, by now, you and I would have gone about our normal businesses like yeah. nothing happened. But over time, we have seen a consistent yeah. um, pattern, like you rightly mentioned, where if something is wrong in the executive, there's a blind eye turned to things. But then if you have a situation whereby something poses a threat to yeah. you, you go full, you know, being full steam with respect to doing certain things, moving mountains and all the likes. There's absolutely nothing wrong yeah. with ensuring that people are brought to book or people are questioned, people are arraigned. If only you have exerted that much energy also with respect to cases involving the executive. And this is, you know, what is troubling in this whole thing, yeah. because you can make the case, although two wrongs do not make it right, but you can make the case that the only reason why this is going on, well, the only obvious reason, there may be other not so obvious reasons anyway, but the only obvious reason why this is going on is just to prepare the ground 
for whatever outcome might of course of the election, Ex- exactly so because even yeah to interrupt you a little bit because even if the cdn survives this or the executive quote and unquote decides to pardon him then it will be subservient yeah, to their wins they would have something to dangle you know so yeah you know so it, yeah. it leaves a very very bad taste in the mouth but you know like i i think i mentioned somewhere that unfortunately we have men and women in our political space not just in our political space in the legal space in the judicial space in the legislative space who do not deal in good faith you know we're not talking just like you rightly mentioned for example just to mention the example you know just example one example from the us you have a current the, the, one of the seven justices of the american supreme court whose wife is um a, a very vocal supporter of president trump recently there was an opera um the uh, judge justice i think williams or something the black uh, robert williams the black justice you have you had an opera where people started you know people came out and said well we know that she's just the wife but then there's a way that you can read meaning into whatever the wife says as mirroring the opinion of the husband and and, you know people started making the case that see um caesar's wife must also conduct herself in a way that reflects on what caesar would do so that you know you have a case where the executive the person who, who, who wrote the allegation or who, who wrote the petition used to be the personal used to be personal assistant to the president and all of a sudden everything was investigated within two days you you've, you've, you've taken him to court already at the end of the day regardless of how good your intention is it smells of partisanship and one would have expected that a yeah. president well because the box stops as a table anyway a president who is fourth who is forward thinking should have called his men to say come guys for the sake of posterity for the sake of giving an impression of fairness for the sake of being seen as being a board let us step down and then push this thing because at the end of the day like you rightly mentioned all this energy could have been dispensed on campaigning on the issues because if he wins the election convincingly yeah. Exactly. If he wins, if if the, if the current government wins the election convincingly, the case might not even get to court in the first place. And even if it gets to court, if all the if all the boxes are if all the boxes have been ticked, you'd have a good case to make in court, as opposed to being afraid that someone might be used to obtain an election which you otherwise won. So it, it just goes back to the issue that you're leaving the things that are very expedient, the things that you should do. And chasing things that you know seem to set the tone for the disaster that is about to be you know unleashed on the nation, and it's it's a sad development. It is very sad, my friend. It is very sad. Um, and I hope that the powers that be, um, and even our listeners and Nigerians, we don't lose uh, sight of the goal here. Because I see a lot of bickering and argument on online this um, now that oh well uh, you're saying Barry is not performing things are so bad yeah it just underlines the same campaign of calumny that keeps going on blaming things that have been happened in the past things brought into the core everyone is bad everyone is corrupt well yeah 
it's not different. You've got a government that is that is that's slow to perform, has not really changed in a long time. You've got a president that does not even know what candidate is standing next to. I was reading it today. <laughs> Yeah, you saw that four part too, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, 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 yeah. Who does not know whether the person that is campaigning for is running for senatorial seat no, no, no. or governatorial seat? What is it? The, the, the sad thing about what just happened today, I think, yeah, I don't know if it happened today or yesterday, is that the president doesn't even know whether he is the presidential candidate of his party. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's just making light of the whole situation. But well, at, at the end of the day, I think that's how the whole structure has been designed. At the end of the day, we're all meant to be grateful that this government is fighting corruption. Exactly. And that doesn't, that does not move us forward. Exactly. That only gets us to level zero. Exactly. Exactly. And for a country that suffered this much in the last uh, 50 odd years, we need to pursue our development and growth aggressively. Exactly. Strengthen our institutions. Yeah, buy the eggs everywhere. Let's remove them. Let's be fair ac- across the board. Yeah. Nigerians are so... We have trust issues now. Nigerians have trust issues in anything government. Be it the, co- be it the policeman, be it the military, be it the executive, be it the politician, be it anything um um if i stand in for an election today people start calling me a politician from the moment my poster hits the billboard and from that moment people start distrusting me as a person so we are skeptical with the all agents of our so-called democracy and that is the first responsibility of the government is to reassure people to trust in the process to trust in democratic process as a country regardless of what they stand to gain as as um as persons as parties or uh, as organizations because i see a lot of trying to stay in power in this government more than actually protecting Nigeria exactly. Yeah, it, it's been a very interesting one, and hopefully we'll, we'll manage or uh, we'll follow the process as it goes on. This is not the first time uh, that news like this will make the rounds, and the people will feed on the frenzy, and after a while yeah. it dies down, and we never hear anything of it again. But at every significant time, things like this are brought to the to fall it's important that we take a conscious and a very um, analytical view of this issue as well-meaning nigerians and stakeholders in in the ideal nigerians right. that we all want Absolutely. to be yeah so do you have anything to add my uh no, I've, my very good friend. <laughs> it's it's been a very interesting one. We thought this was gonna be under an hour. Yeah, yeah. Well, well over yeah, seventy nah, minutes. Nah, 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 yeah, I don't, I don't have anything to add. You've said it all. It's um, you know, we should look at issues. We should engage 
uh, we shouldn't just sit on the bandwagon of you know it's a Buhari thing, it's an Atiku thing, or it, it, things yeah. must be you know we must look at things yeah. just beyond the um, the lens of politics. We should look at things in terms of what benefits the nation in the long run. Exactly. Because that's this is the only country that we have. Yeah. Exactly. It, it and is. It is the only country we have. I, I used to say, Americans will yes. always tell you America first. And this is a country that created exactly. its own history. They didn't have... They didn't... They, it's a country without... Uh, the, 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 what you call the soul in the origination of a country is not really there. It's a nation really? of people that are banded exactly. together in exactly. agreement. Nigeria as a country, we are a country of originating right. soul, if you like. We've got history. The Yorubas have their own history of uh, origination. The Igbos are theirs. The Aousas are theirs. So, it's important that we always take this country as ours, and it Absolutely. should reflect in everything we do. So, an American, regardless of whatever he wants to do, will see, knows that he's an American first, and he's always proud of it. But we are always scared, like this gubernatorial president of Lagos said, uh, yeah. uh, yeah. he, he said, Nigerians, the corrupt Nigerians, uh, he, I think he broke, he broke it down into three, that people are scared of, they have irrational fear of poverty. And that's why people steal money. Ah, uh, yeah, there's a bit of sense in that, that, okay, well, rather than distribute the wealth to go around people look at it from perspective of oh i don't know what tomorrow might yeah. bring let me pack as much as i can when there's more than enough to take care of you and to take care of others too so which is um which kind of takes the belief in the statehood of nigeria out of the mind of a lot of people it's quite saddening so but We'll keep talking about it and let's hope that people understand and become conscious of the Nigerian project that we all pay lip service to. But hand on that, do we actually invest and believe in the Nigerian project? So thank you very much for this, uh, for the for the time for the time today. I know we try to. We tried to do this yesterday, but for logistic issues, we, we were unable to. And I think yeah. it, it's quite better today. Because we had a ample Absolutely. time to actually yeah. run through some of the issues. So, uh, listeners, thank you for your time. Thank you for bearing with us. Yeah, we're improving this podcast episode by episode. And I know for many of you that have been sending me uh, feedbacks. Yeah, we're taking it on board about the lo- and but you need to bear with us because this is run uh, as um, a free platform. It's a not-for-profit platform and we'll keep improving as much as we can. And this episode will be available on YouTube in the nearest future. So that's the next thing now. So, but if you want to listen, you can listen to this, to our episodes on Spotify or iTunes podcast or you can follow us on Facebook by searching the group Parlor Talk all our episodes will be uploaded onto the Parlor Talk group and the link 
will be made available there to listen to every episode. So, thank you very much for listening today. For comments, you can send us an email at podcast at shegwakifeli.com. So, till next time from Yomi and I, have a great day.